0: I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Laura Dina, chief information security officer at Northwestern Mutual, one of the world's most admired companies in its industry, according to Fortune Magazine's annual survey, published in 2022. Also joining us is Richard Seewald, founder and managing partner at Evolution Equity Partners. Evolution Equity TV is brought to you by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. To learn more about Evolution Equity Partners, visit evolutionequity.com. Laura, welcome. Great to have you back on with us.
1: Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here.
0: And Richard, uh, great to have you with us as well today.
2: Hey, Steve, great to be here and great to be here with Laura as well. I look forward to the conversation.
0: So let's kick off here, Laura. If you can maybe offer us your 30,000 foot view on how companies can foster a culture of cybersecurity across every part of their firm, which is essential, especially now it's, you know, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. You know, what do you have to say?
1: What a great question. Yeah, Steve. It's In today's time, it is never more important to foster an informed company culture of cybersecurity. So let me give you some context on like what I do as the CISO of my company. So at Northwestern Mutual, we put our clients at the center of everything that we do. And this ties back to our purpose-driven mission to help Americans achieve greater financial security through a comprehensive financial plan and through the trusted experience of a financial advisor. And technology, as you can imagine, is a big part of that engine and our solutions have to be innovative, but also, of course, secure and reliable. And cybersecurity, as you can imagine, is central to delivering on that mission. And it's a priority area for our technology organization as we protect that client's information and maintain their trust. And so further to that mission, you know, we're building those technology platforms and foundation capabilities to solve for critical business problems. Cybersecurity Awareness Month is is really fun for us because we try to deliver a very positive cybersecurity experience a positive cybersecurity culture and some of that comes down to my role as a CISO which is I feel part education part being a practitioner and it means I get to apply a lens that is both to technologists but also people outside of technology so that they can understand how their part of fostering that positive cybersecurity culture and honestly it just comes down to collaboration you know educating all parts of the organization on foundational risk equations which I get to do a lot but also understanding the potential threats and vulnerabilities and the impact of those so that's that you know 30,000 foot view if you want to call it that Steve but it's a great question
0: yeah, well that's great and you know like you Laura we like to have fun and and you know you've just got a great personality you'll make me laugh every time we you know have an episode we put a cartoon out for cybersecurity awareness month and so the CFO is sitting at the desk and being called into a meeting and says, you know, I'll be right there I just have to pay this ransom. So, you know, unfortunately it's uh, you know becoming every day part of our lives, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Richard, maybe you could chime in here with a market view on cybersecurity awareness and training. You've done a lot of research. You recently invested into a great company, CybeSafe. How important is it for us to train our employees and up our awareness? What Laura mentioned sounds like sort of a quintessential
2: approach to enabling employees and the entire organization to be aware that in many cases, a lot of the attacks that we hear about come as a result of a human factor, meaning, you know, someone clicks on a link, someone downloads a application that ends up creating significant impact on the cybersecurity stack. And that training and awareness really does move the needle and, you know, I think it's essential during this month that we raise that awareness, make sure that employees and, you know, the greater universe understand that it comes down to the human and behavioral dynamics around how you interact with, you know, your, your digital universe, being able to do that in a safe way, in a cyber secure way. Is ultimately the mission that I believe this awareness month is about. And I think Laura did a great job in terms of explaining that. So, you know, from our perspective as an investor, we've invested in a number of companies that enable that, both the training, the analytics behind the training that enable chief security officers to understand the human factor risk in greater detail. Uh, and it's a Area of threat intelligence that feeds into the, the the overall threat intelligence mix that you know has proven to be essential to
0: organizations. So I'm sitting here with one of the world's top CISOs and one of the world's top cyber investors. So I have to use this opportunity to ask both of you, and I'll start with you, Laura, about AI-related cybersecurity trends. And, and I'll start off with asking, is in your opinion AI going to be a bigger gain for cyber criminals? or for cyber fighters, is it gonna do more harm or more good?
1: Yeah, and Richard, oh my God, I just loved everything that you said there. I, I try to tell some, sometimes I tell people that they should flatter themselves, right? That somebody might wanna get after them, right? <laughs> so so you were spot on there, Richard. I appreciated the the sentiments there. Steve, it's a great question. Everybody's talking about AI. Your question about will it be a bigger gain for cyber criminals? You know, I, I do wanna like just clarify with like AI has existed for a long time, right? These new large language models that we're using that we're, you know, as the public are aware of the tool and using vastly has been quite the game changer with ChatGPT. You know, while we're seeing users produce like vast and exciting outcomes with LLMs, I hope we start advancing the conversation more on guardrails around what these tech platforms and tools can and cannot or should not be used for. And with AI, we have this opportunity to automate and speed up some manual tasks. And that's what I'm most excited about. And since ChatGPT is is an open source platform, CISOs have to explain like super technical security topics to someone who may not be technical. You know, for instance, I typed in explain as if I'm a high schooler, why security should be helpful. (laughs) And... (laughs) And I I, I am going to take some prompt engineering courses, I promise, (laughs) but what was really nice is that the message came out, like I said, like a high schooler, right? Like the message came out and I didn't have to like feed it super technical things, but it was able to come back and say for a non-technical audience, here's what you have to think about, right? But like the gift of fire, that's what i like to call a lot of these new technologies. Yes, of course. Of course, threat actors are going to use it. It's going to be an arm race. It's it's going to be something that bad actors are going to use to automate their tasks too, right? Because if I like you know, using it in my very bad prompt engineering way <laughs> to say, like, tell me like a high school or this, this very technical security topic, then of course the bad actors are going to use it to advance some of their methods, their protocols, or the ways that they want to gain access or gain just the the monetary value that they get out of like a like a ransomware, right? Like you you were just talking about the the comic. So I don't I don't want to say that, you know, we're gonna see a ton of big cybersecurity trends when it comes to bad actors, but of course we're gonna see it in use and we're gonna see um, you know, people using it for for bad. But that that's why I like having lots of conversations with different uh people about what tactics that we can employ so that we're keeping up with um, with the trends and using large language models and, and open source chat GPT products.
0: So Richard, I know that you and Evolution Equity Partners are paying a lot of attention to this market. Recently, you invested into Protect AI. They're doing some really interesting work. And I'm curious in your opinion, Richard, is this going to be a large market, meaning AI specifically for cybersecurity? Is this anything along the lines of, you know, if we go years back to antivirus all the way up through various market sectors now, is it going to be a category in of itself? And just any comments you have uh, about AI and cybersecurity?
2: Sure. Look, I think Laura pointed out that machine learning and AI have been part of the cybersecurity infrastructure for over a decade plus. Some will claim that it goes back even further in terms of predictive capability of technology in this segment. So when you look at detection and response over the last decade, machine learning and AI have been part of that equation for some time. We invested in the company called Cognitive Security in 2011, that in fact, utilized machine learning and AI to detect APTs, advanced persistent threats, looking at net flow data, and not surprisingly, someone like Cisco acquired them and incorporated them into something called cognitive AI, which really fuels their detection and response engine. And so when we look at the current environment and generative AI and the LLMs, I think one of the interesting areas is to be able to coordinate sort of what we've been working at over the last decade on detection and response and then large language models and creating a force multiplier effect in terms of the ability to enhance that detection and response capability and perhaps use large language models to benefit on both response and detection. I think that's one area. The coordination of existing technology that utilizes machine learning and AI. And then also large language models and the benefits that that combination makes. You pointed out Protect AI because we think that one of the primary focus areas and one of the areas where the attack surface has expanded and has significant impact on organizations is the developer ecosystem. So, where machine learning and AI algorithms are being developed, where builders, engineers are implementing algorithms that are mission critical to organizations. So think about trading algorithms. I had this conversation earlier this week at the New York Stock Exchange in terms of AI and ML that is powering the financial services industry and the floor there. Going back and shifting left and focusing on that developer component is mission critical. And many of the tools that are out there, including the traditional developer tools, don't do the trick when it comes to meeting the requirements for an AI ML developer environment. So I think, you know, that's foundational. It's one of the areas that we identified as being highly important and actually invested in a company that addresses that category with Protect AI.
0: So it's interesting, Richard, you touched on financial services. And there's, of course, a connection to Laura and where she sits. We produced a program with Evolution Equity Partners, and we covered the world's first CISO, who was in the financial services sector, Citigroup, back in 1994. And interestingly, all of these years later, he said, if I was back driving the bus today, I'd hire a team of data scientists and you know get the best AI and ML out there. Laura, from where you sit, how is the financial services industry different than other sectors in terms of attacks and threats it faces?
1: Big shout out to Steve Katz because he's one of my mentors. <laughs> I absolutely adore him. He's amazing. Definitely ahead of his time, always and forever. So big shout out to him. Yeah, financial services, obviously, you know, we we do tend to see a lot of different attacks and threats, much like any other sector. But of course, we do financial services because of the trust our clients place in us at Northwestern Mutual, we feel very strongly about not just creating cybersecurity infrastructure, but creating that culture of cybersecurity that I told you about. And our leaders understand how critical cybersecurity is to our entire mission of freeing Americans from financial anxiety. That's kind of part of what we wanna do. And this culture of support allows me to be better resourced and protects us from bad actors. And I like to think of every employee as their own information security professional because attackers target widely. Richard, that's why I said flatter yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You might get a smishing attack or a phishing attack and it's because they like to cast wide nets. But I, of course, have to shout out the awesome partnership that we have with organizations like the Financial Services, Mm -hmm. Information Sharing and Analysis Center, FSISAC, Mm -hmm. because we get to share industry best practices And the latest news and resources on anything against our industry. And we get to look at some of those tactics in a very timely way, and they're very actionable tactics. So we can kind of apply all of those things across the financial services industry. And we're well positioned to see grow through the uses of AI by lowering the barriers to innovation, Um, But it is nice to have the partnership with other CISOs in financial services through the ISACs like that. And I know lots of other sectors have ISACs, so I I wanted to make sure that we called attention to that on the importance of sharing the information in in a timely way.
0: So I want to close out asking both of you the same question and because you both have an extensive CISO network. But in a different context, Richard, you're analyzing the market. You're looking at opportunities. You want to help CISOs and security leaders solve problems. Laura, you have a lot of colleagues who are in the industry for many years. These are your peers. So what I'd like to hear from both of you, I'll start with you, Richard. Is, you know, what What are the biggest challenges that CISOs have? You know, we touched on employee training today and, you know, we worked up through a lot of different issues, but w- what are you seeing as the single biggest challenges they faced? The way I'll answer that
2: is thinking about mid to long-term challenges that, May not be the top five that quarter-on-quarter chief security officers look at today, but inevitably will enter the fray as time goes on. And I think one area that has uh, the potential of significantly impacting the cybersecurity stack that's probably not on the radar on a quarter-to-quarter basis of CISOs today, but Laura, correct me if I'm wrong, is the threat of quantum and quantum computers. And as quantum goes online, and there are forecasts of that happening three, five, 10 years from now, hard to quantify that. But the morning that you wake up and you hear that there is a legitimate quantum computer that has gone live, it will change the game in cybersecurity. Not only cybersecurity, but many other areas. And having that category, at least in eyesight and considering it, I. I think it's important because it's one of the things that'll sneak up, up on us and perhaps impact the cybersecurity stack and other areas in a in a significant way. Again, it may not be a near-term risk for a lot of organizations, but something worth understanding, keeping an eye on, and perhaps even exploring whether there are there are solutions that harden current encryption infrastructure and that prepare organizations for the potential of a quantum hack. I just think quantum is probably the largest, and and maybe putting it this way is a, a little bit unique, but it's the unquantified risk in cyber today.
0: So Laura, I'd like to know not just what you think, but maybe also you know, what you're hearing from your colleagues collectively about maybe the quantum risk, but also just in your everyday role, how worried are you? How much time do you devote thinking about ransomware compared to thinking about training your employees and you go straight down the line? What are those single biggest challenges that you know, you spend the most time on?
1: Of course, I worry about quantum too. I'm, I, I am a computer scientist and yes, I, I don't want to see the day where AES-256 gets broken and all the things that we have to do to, you know, to enhance all of the platforms that we use on a regular basis. I, I want to talk about IT risk management for a minute because I think that as a CISO, it's it's really important to think about things from a risk perspective, Steve, because, you know, you were kind of, you were leading me here um, when you were talking about, you know, what, what do I worry about ransomware? Do I worry about training staff? The answer is yes, I worry about all those things, but having a holistic view of the security landscape is really important. And then having this IT risk management oversight that I have as a CISO is, has really helped me understand how to put things in sizable categories or priorities from a risk perspective. So you talked about quantum driving end-to-end data protection is part of quantum, right? That's one of the big risk categories that I have. I want to do that for not just you know our employees, but our financial advisors, our clients, and everything else. Improving security hygiene is another big risk category that I like to talk about. Strengthening our cyber resilience, again, thinking about quantum hacks. Yes, you're gonna have to be super resilient to it. And then maturing any kind of supply chain security risks or third-party risk management as a lot of people used to like to to call it, so that we're thinking about risk in general. And a lot of people can hold on to those four different categories that I just mentioned. And so I, I wanna call out just the IT risk management aspect here because I think it's super important that CISOs are not just, ignoring that right putting things in a risk perspective are really important because otherwise you're going to be spending a lot of time or too much time on ransomware or too much time on training and it's important to think about things from a, a broader i.t risk lens
0: So Laura, we kicked off, you know, talking about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Let's close out that way and maybe you can help people who really need it. And in particular, I'm thinking about small businesses. There are so many companies in our country globally who are faced with the same risks we've been talking about, but they don't have a CIO, they don't have a CISO, they don't have full-time staff, they have limited resources, they, they can barely understand the risk, let alone protect themselves from it. Uh, what should companies be doing? What should small businesses be doing to up their knowledge and, and their protection?
1: Well, I mean, first and foremost, just understand how important it is to prioritize cybersecurity, whether I just talked about IT hygiene, everybody has to patch right everyone has to patch you always have to patch you always have to stay ahead of it and so prioritizing cybersecurity is is, is super important first and foremost having that support to provide the right resources even if it's a small amount of resources that's super important and then when you are applying the resources I, look i can't be a good cso if i didn't have an amazing team it's so important to think about people process and technology but put your people first, hire for a capability, for capacity to learn, think about those things, hire like solid people who not only care about technology, but but care about the process and care about everything else that goes around with it. And you will make a lot of strides just thinking about those two big things, the resources, the support for those resources. And then of course, hiring for capacity to learn and capability to continuously understand the ecosystem that they find themselves in, and then just apply that risk management that I was just talking about. Think about the the areas that you have to focus on, whether it's that end-to-end data security, the hygiene with patching, the resiliency, or if you're a very big third-party shop, then start to apply more resources where you're really getting a good sense of what your third parties are, how much access they have to your data, and how you're going to hold them to the same standard that you would hold your own employees.
0: I couldn't have uh, you said it any better, Laura. Thank you for that advice uh, You know, to everybody who's listening. Richard, any final thoughts before we let you go and wrap up here? And I do want to mention that all three of us are in the New York area. This was a great conversation. I think we should get together over coffee, meet in person. Maybe that's where we'll uh, you know, video the three of us next time.
2: Absolutely. I think we're Midtown, right near Grand Central Station, so actually close to a transportation hub. And we'd be pleased to host everybody within our offices and, you know, maybe do a live video there. So Steve, Laura is certainly invited. Final comment on sort of the SME, SMB segment, small enterprise category. I think you're absolutely right in terms of prioritizing many of the things that larger enterprises do. I I think sometimes because smaller enterprises have more of a challenge to hire the quality and quantity of individuals necessary. Some of the MDR players out there are very effective in in addressing cybersecurity needs of mid-sized businesses, and having that type of partner out there in providing technology and advice is probably very useful for that size company that, again, may not have the resources internally and is looking for either a sparring partner or an advisor to help on their day-to-day issues
0: and items and areas to focus on. Laura, Richard, great conversation. Great to have the two of you with us and look forward to catching up together.
1: Amazing conversation, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Steve. I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. This interview is brought to you by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. You can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com.